Welcome to the Republican Professor. This morning in California, we have an incredibly special guest, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious special guest, Miss Desiree Payne. Thanks for being uh, here. Thanks Des for having me. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, Desiree, are you joining us from California? No, I'm in Kentucky. Kentucky? Kentucky wow. Yeah. That's a beautiful state. It is. It's very rainy. We're having the opposite oh. weather of you right now. I'm jealous. Oh, oh man. Do you have thunderstorms there? Yes. Oh. They're beautiful. I wow. love it. Wow. No tornadoes? Not this week. But Not I did week, read that wow. Eastern Kentucky is having severe flooding. Oh, Not where okay. I'm at, but further away. Cool. Yeah. Well, Kentucky likes guns, and we brought you on to right. talk about firearms because the way I know you is through the Second Amendment activism community in California. Um, yes. I don't know anybody in Kentucky in the activism community, but I'm sure it exists there. Um, but, uh, we recently sat together at a, a fundraiser and, um, sat at the same table, I should say, <laughs> just to, yeah. just to clarify, there was other yeah. people at the table. It was a round table and, uh, yes. I got to know you a little bit and, uh, was impressed that you taught firearms. And so how long have you done that? And, you know, feel free to correct me if I miss misdescribed something no it's great i think i've been involved about eight or nine years now mostly in california um but no you're right we did meet at the gun prom in san diego which was fantastic it was kind of a nice of the round table but with gun people yeah so did you grow up with firearms um, you're obviously comfortable and you're not afraid of them. So I didn't necessarily grow up with my parents having firearms. My father had firearms when I was really little and he was hunting one day wearing his orange vest when another hunter blew the orange vest off of him out from under his arm and all the stuffing flew out and it scared him enough where he didn't want to go hunting for a while. And then he met my stepmother. And she had an unhealthy fear of firearms. She was never around them. But I kind of grew in a, up in an odd household where guns weren't looked at as bad, but my stepmother just didn't like them. But everyone around our household, our neighbors, people at school had firearms. And it wasn't a taboo thing to see them in people's windows or, or go to the store and see them. It just was never taboo. Um, when I became a teenager, I had friends that went shooting. So that's when I got into shooting. It seemed normal. It was a normal part of life. People hunted, people went out and shot guns, people carried their firearms. It just wasn't something that people looked at as a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Where did you grow up? What Was this the same place the whole time? I grew up in Montana. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I'm from Montana. I moved to California seven years ago. Oh. But I... I spent several years going back, a couple years going back and forth from Montana to California. Wow. When I saw, I became a hunter's ed instructor in Montana. 
and I had my CCW. Now it's constitutional carry in Montana, but back then it was CCW. And it was super simple. You don't register your guns there. You don't put down the firearm on your CCW application. And the only thing I put was self-defense, just those two words, hyphenated words. And they printed out my ID at that interview and paper clipped it on and I got it a week later. And that was that. And I came down to California and none of those things mattered. And I was so infuriated when I got here and someone said, you got to register your guns now. <laughs> what does that mean, first of all? And secondly, why? Nothing has changed from what I was in Montana to what I am in California. My firearms didn't do anything different. I didn't do anything different. I just thought it was the most ridiculous thing I had ever heard. But I really wanted to get involved in California and try to help the people in California have the same rights and freedoms I had in Montana. That's when I jumped in. Wow. This is the first time hearing. I, of course, I don't know you that well, but it's a, it's really, really refreshing to hear this story. I love how you said it too. Like the way you set it up. I like the, loved the detail that you gave about the process in Montana and just how it's like, yeah, why, why can't it be that? You yeah. know, why, why cannot, why does it have to be so crazy complicated? What is the magic of writing down a serial number? What's that, what's that do? How's that help you defend yourself? Right. I mean, the point is to keep you safe, right? That's the whole point. So that you're not murdered by some right. psycho. So why, <laughs> why, why do you want to bring some bureaucrats and pencil pushers in to complicate it and make you poorer because they want to take your money more? That's crazy. It's just about power and control. And I think maybe instilling yeah. a little bit of fear that the government has all of yes. your numbers. Yeah. Wow. What a refreshing system that Montana has. And it's even it's even less complicated now, you said, because of constitutional carry, right? So you now constitutionally carry. I think we have 24 states now that are constitutional carry, which means if you're a resident, you don't have to get a CCW. Okay. Now, if you do get a CCW, though, the benefit, some of the benefits, like you hear of the Arizona and Utah permits, they allow you to carry in states that you're not a resident of. So that, that's a plus of getting a CCW is that it actually expands where you can carry. Now, if you if you live in Montana and want a constitutional carry, you're you can't take that out of the state unless you have a CCW. I see. But California doesn't recognize anybody's CCW. Yeah. Right. So they, well, that might, very particular. I'm hoping that will change. There's changing, wow. there's changes happening and it's, it's going to be interesting to see what the kind of pressure that we put on is actually going to really shape things, I think here in California. So it's really cool that you, what part of Montana are you from? I was born and raised in Billings, hmm. South Central Montana, but I spent my whole adult life rural. Yeah. Nine. It seems like the whole state is rural up there. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we do have less than a million people in the entire state and cows outnumber us by several to one. Wow. It's very nice. But now yeah. we've had that exodus during the Rona where everybody went to Utah, Arizona, Texas, Montana. Mm. And now they have that, that show Yellowstone come out. I've never seen it, but yeah. I call it the Montana Mafia show, and it made yeah. the state even more popular, which has driven up prices of everything there. Great. Oh, man, I'm sorry. That sucks. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm from Colorado. I grew up in Colorado. So I've watched Colorado just gradually kind of go down the dumps as well. Just, just in terms of, it's not necessarily all the people moving in, which didn't help, I don't think, but it's just the, the political climate in Colorado really took, um, it seemed to become more California and I uh -huh. didn't like that at all. So the way I grew up in Colorado, we could, I grew up with guns in the house um, and they weren't locked up or anything. They, they were accessible, but there were strict rules and we had a disciplinarian father that we were all scared of. And there's no way we were going to transgress those rules. But, you know, I mean, I, it was kind of family where I had a BB gun when I was in elementary school. I think junior high was when I got my first firearm. I think seventh grade, I got my first 22 rifle and I used that a lot. Um, going up to the mountains, it was kind of thing where, if you knew teenagers that could drive, which I did, all you needed was a 16 year old, sometimes right. a 15 year old, but right. there's somebody that could drive and that you just went up to the mountains and it, you know, you, within a, an hour, you were able to fish and shoot. Um, I'm not always sure that we did so legally, but it never hurt anybody. And right. it was, it was a lot of fun and, and we could go buy ammo, no big deal, big, big brick of ammo. I had a paper route so I could, I could buy ammo. And, and then when I was 14, I had a big game rifle, 300 Winchester Magnum. So a little yeah. bit big for me, but it was, it's big game. It's elk, you know I mean? Yeah. Uh, and then 16 saw a shotgun and I had that shotgun at the end of my bed throughout the rest of my high school. I mean, it wasn't loaded or anything. I mean, there was, there were certain like cultural things that were in place that right. you would have just been shamed into oblivion if you violated any of that. Right. I mean, we had yeah. knives, I had a buck knife, you know, like six inch buck knife. I just liked looking at it. Right. And, you know, sometimes I had it under my pillow and acted like the Russians were attacking and <laughs> Don't you know, that, need that again soon. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, did you ever see Red Dawn? I didn't know. Well, that was filmed in Colorado. It came out when I was a kid. And, and that was that that kind of movie where, you know, people are they're using whatever they have to fight against the Russians. Yeah. Um, and it turns out, geez, now this this year that that film is probably pretty popular in places like Ukraine. Yeah. But um, yeah, so. uh as far as concealed carry goes, that that really wasn't an issue for me growing up. Like I, I can conceive of why I could conceive of that issue, but it wasn't something I thought carefully about because we were more like a long gun family. Okay. But later on, when I went into the Navy, I was trained in pistols by Navy SEALs. Mm -hmm. I did the whole, I did that. And, and, uh, I think that was the first time I shot a Glock. That was the first time I shot, I shot a Sig Sauer. Um, I got qualified on those. And, you know, they had some other crazy stuff, like this one SEAL who had all these bullet wounds. He looked, I mean, he looked like, like a machine. He looked like half machine, like a Terminator. He, uh, he had the Desert Eagle. And I, that's the first time I'd ever even heard of that gun. 
you know. Yeah, those are a stout gun. Yeah. So we were out at Fort Ord shooting, uh, sh- shooting whatever they had. And I, the, the seals that were living on base, the days I was, uh, I was, um, stationed at which was a language school it was an army language school so there's a lot of special forces there special warfare mm-hmm. they just kept the guns in their car i couldn't believe it i was like wait isn't that illegal i don't know but they didn't care and and that was the california that i remember from when i first moved here in the 90s um but as i got older i started really thinking about the laws against concealed carry here and just um, i i just and I started teaching in, in, in the colleges and started explaining to the female students that I had, the options are limited legally for them. Like if, if they are in a rough area, they are, and they put a little pistol, like if they're trained and they, or they grew up shooting and they can handle that pistol in their purse and they go to work, you know, in some rough area, maybe it's a bad time. Maybe it's or whatever you could be in danger anytime. If, if a woman's intuition is that she's in danger and sometimes that intuition is calibrated correctly and there is a threat and it's rational to believe there really is a threat possibly. Yeah. Right. Well, then the according to the California law, that woman is equally a criminal as the one that would attack her. And that makes no sense. That just makes no sense. And it seems like Montana can clearly see that. I don't know why people in California can't see that. You're, you're meaning without a, a concealed carry permit, right? Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. And, the, and those laws are, I mean, we elect the buffoons that are in charge of these laws at the DOJ. <laughs> and we have a governor who's an idiot as well. So that's, I mean, it's our responsibility to work the grassroots and get people at the lower levels, at the larval stage, before they become the bigger animal that they are at the state level. You got to get city council and school board, normal people elected, right-minded thinking people elected, constitutionalists elected, so that when they get bigger and they go on to Congress or senator, governor, you're going to have somebody that's on your side and we missed the boat in the last 20 years. We just, we, I think we rested on our laurels as a nation thinking, well, grandma and grandpa handled it and they had it, but that generation didn't train the next generation to take over where they did all the fighting. And then it had a big gap and all those people that fought for these rights, whether they're uh, members of big national lobby groups that fight for firearms or local groups, it's kind of fallen to the wayside because no one was mentored to take over that job. Mm. And now we're trying to play defense instead of offense because we're yeah. getting our butts kicked. Right. But you talked about, you briefly touched on the gun culture mm. and we hear gun culture every time there's a bad thing happening with a firearm that, Oh, it's the gun culture. Actually people in the gun culture don't go out and do these shootings. They aren't the bad right. guys. I've gone to several years and years of NRA conventions where you have 80,000 people all all armed with pushing strollers and there's never been one firearms accident because that's the real gun culture. It's not these yahoos that pick up a firearm and commit crimes. That is not the gun culture. 
is definitely the culture of respect for life, respect for your rights, respect for firearms. And then you, you said CC, CCWs are a big thing. And I don't, you've probably taught about it, but when I do my CCW classes and even when I do the sheriff's, Sheriff Bianco's monthly events, I tell them the history of the CCW and how it began when the slaves were freed and they figured out that these slaves could get firearms and then they wouldn't be able to go get them back, the slaves. So they decided to create a concealed carry permit at that time, preventing, essentially preventing African-Americans from getting firearms because the people in charge at the time were white lawyers, white judges, uh, white police officers, all of your politicians were white. So at that point they decided, well, they're gonna have to apply to us to get a concealed carry permit. And of course they denied most of them. It was just a way to prevent yeah. them from getting firearms. So if people looked at that, you know, during Black History Month and all these things we celebrate, that was to target one of their constitutional rights. And it's the second one. So it must be pretty important because it's in the top two. But yeah. the CCW has a bad history and I have no reason. I don't like the CCW at all. Again, like the sheriffs, their hands are tied by the DOJ, yeah. which we need to get out of there. We need to get these people in charge of taking away our rights. Well, that's what yeah. they see their job is. Get them out of there. That's right. Well, I, I and I love the, the fact that your philosophy is to start local. Um, I mean, Gavin Newsom started as a mayor. He was a local yeah. politician. Of course, in San Francisco, it'd be very difficult to start a local group in San Francisco, but it, there, I don't think there is one. Maybe there is, but I don't know about it. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's, um, the, the, the philosophy you're outlining there is that the start local philosophy is that it's, it's not often that you have just some big name pop into office at a high level. I mean, it happened with Trump. It happened with Schwarzenegger, but those people are already famous. It's, right. it's usually that they well actually Reagan too, I would say, but he was already famous, but, uh, you know, normally people start out small, right. And they grow and they, they're constantly trying to get the next office. And so you're saying if we have a political presence, that's a healthy activism, a healthy gun culture, activism community that's informed and that's trained, we can, um, develop a context where we rein in some of the crazy before these people and maybe we can turn some of these people because some of it's just ignorance wouldn't you say some of it's definitely ignorance we've trained a lot of people that yeah. came in because they were curious and ignorant and wanted to know kind of prove them right about how evil these gun owners are and we wound up turning them around is that right but, but at the local level politicians they want whoever's giving them the money they'll tell they'll tote whatever line the guy that's giving them the money wants them to tote. But winning their hearts and minds carries a lot further. So if you have the political backing with money and, and helping them, helping them go door to door, helping them put up signs, that's way more effective in securing their heart and mind at that stage of the game so that they're invested emotionally and mentally as they head up the chain and keeping that relationship going, not just saying, oh, you made it to city council, see you later. Um, don't right. allow them to get away with that. Don't allow them to brush you off once they've achieved their goal. 
know, we, we don't do the old school stuff anymore. We don't do the phone banking and we don't help them go door to door, but the local mm. folks need to go door to door. One politician can't do it himself. If you look at Trump winning. He didn't get to go to all these small town places. These people printed out these big cardboard trumps and had events with the cutout of him. <laughs> we spoke at some MAGA events where there was a cutout of Trump and people loved yeah. it. They wanted their picture with this cardboard cutout. It's, yeah. it's about how That's to hilarious. get people excited at the local level and do yeah. some of the work. Yeah. Yeah, it is hard work, isn't it? Because, I mean, going door to door is not necessarily something you want to do on a Saturday. Nobody what? wants to do that stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, well, but maybe some people do, do it, but they're weird. Yeah. But there's something for everyone. Like, that's yeah, something that's that I've true. incorporated in a lot of the volunteers. We, I mentioned that we do the monthly event for Sheriff Yonko. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that and, and some of the training you do, the CCW stuff. Yeah. So I did some, I did some training under Sheriff Sniff for the NRA. I did women on target for him. And then when when you say you did the training, not as a student, you're an instructor. I'm an instructor. I'm an NRA instructor, a DOJ instructor and a Riverside CCW instructor. And um, I do have my own training company. It's Vanguard training and consulting. So I do my own curriculum because I looked at some of the other, the old school curriculum and thought this is way outdated. It's not really pertinent. And some of the course material just teaches you basic firearms. And, and as an instructor, I went through instructor courses that ta- taught me how to shoot a firearm, which is great. I knew how to do that. Didn't tell me how to publicly communicate. There was no public, you know, public speaking. There was no PR. There was no empathy or how to relate to individual students. None of that's taught in these instructor courses. And I wanted to do that. So I developed my own curriculum with my company to teach other people how to teach better. So when Chad and Denise Bianco reached out to me, they knew I've done that's the, the sheriff, right? The sheriff, of, the Riverside. sheriff of Riverside yes. County, California. Yeah. Okay. That's right. And he's going on his second term. Yahoo. <laughs> Very pro second amendment. Real great person, real great person. Just I've down heard great things boat. about him. I've never met him yet. I haven't met him yet. Oh, yeah. If you can, if you get the chance. Real I've met great Don Barnes. I, I sat next to the, the okay. previous event that I sat at the table with you. I The previous time we had it, Don Barnes was sitting next to me. <laughs> He's actually Orange sitting County next Sheriff. to my wife. Yeah. But yeah, so we, we ended up County. talking to him for a long time. You know what? He's very pro CCW as well, thankfully. Good guy as well. Don Bonds yeah, is the current uh, current Orange County Sheriff uh, yeah. in, uh, in California. Yeah, he is. Um, so Chad and Denise wanted to do a firearms clinic for women, mostly women, to train women how to shoot firearms and, and take the fear out of it and give them education so they can be safe and educated. And that's that's the whole thing with firearms, safety, education. So we do a monthly event where we allow 25 women to register for the class. It's 50 bucks, but everything is provided. I'm the director of the clinic. So Chad comes and speaks a little bit. Denise is usually there. It's held at Ben Clark Training Center in Riverside. Say the name of it again. Say the name of that store again. Ben Clark. It's Ben Clark Training Center. It's the Sheriff's Training Center. Okay. But everyone there is volunteer. Everyone that staffs these events are volunteers. 
Well, yeah, for 50, for 50 bucks, there's no way they couldn't be a volunteer. There's Right. They're all people nothing. that I've, it covers nothing. You're right. These are all people I've personally trained. I have, I've spent eight hours with them. They've also had gone through, most of them have gone through my class and then they wanted to volunteer, but I made them go through my teaching curriculum. And then we went to the range and they had to qualify and show me that they can safely shoot a gun. This mm. one thing to shoot a gun, but another to teach. And there's one thing to teach, but not be able to do what you're teaching. So yeah. I, do they have to I bring their own guns? For the, tra the training that I did. So the students that come to the sheriff's event, the firearms are provided. Okay. They just bring their person. The ammo's provided, targets are provided. They That's go through easy. a, yeah, they go through a basic firearm class showing them how the firearm is made, how to hold it, how to line up their sights how the ammo's, how ammo's made and how they work together. We talk about local gun laws, including the roster, the magazine limitations, uh, CCWs and the history of CCW. We touch on how, how CCWs are applied for, what the process is. And then we go to the range where we have an instructor, one instructor per lady. So we have one trained line coach per lady and we have an RSO, a chief RSO. I'm also a range safety officer, RSO. We have someone RSO and then they take turns. They all shoot 10 rounds in a 22. Then the next set shoot 10 rounds until everybody's gone up twice. They get a certificate for going. They get to hang out with the sheriff. It's a really good event. Wow. Every single time we do this, people want to come back and they want to volunteer and they want to shoot and they want to teach others how to do it. It's just fantastic. We get teachers that want other teachers to come to get trained. It's really neat. A twenty-two pistol. Yeah. What What's the pistol? Well, there's all there's ten different ten oh, different twenty-twos. Oh, okay. Yeah. So say you're on a GSG the first time, you may go over and get a buck mark the second time or something. Oh, okay. But we don't allow the student to have the same instructor twice because in the real world, you're not going to have the same instructor twice. Mm -hmm. oh, um, wow. but it's it's a lot of fun we all love it we love it we do it once a month and it's just and it's a blast 20, it's maxed at 25 it that's is a, that's a lot of manpower or woman power i should say to have one instructor per shooter it is well we do and we do there's only 10 row like 10 targets set up at a time so we do cycle in 10 at a time just for safety reasons and it's very monitored. It's very controlled environment. Safety is the number one priority we have. Yeah. But we just all love doing it so much. So that tell us what that's called again. What it's a clinic. Sheriff Chad Bianco's. It's um, what is it sure. called? It's, it's just his firearms women. event. Yeah. For new women shooters. You can be a, a new shooter. You can have a little experience. We've had folks with CCWs come to the class just okay. to see what it's about. And we it usually sells out within three minutes of announcing the ticket. How long does it take to do the whole training from the time you show up to the time you leave? We start at eight and we try to get done at 12, depending on okay. how, how everyone's doing. Gotcha. And is that really jamming? Is that really like rushing through or is that taking oh. your time no like for example last time um two of my instructors had the rona so they weren't allowed to come obviously <laughs> so we were we were shy two instructors 
And all I did was cut out some of my horrible jokes from the classroom portion. <laughs> and it, it was better for everyone, actually. Oh, man, I don't know. Depends on how the how awesome these jokes are. Can you give me one? Yeah, well, it depends. Usually Chad will give me something to lead with. Okay. <laughs> like last time Chad was talking about how if he had a camera watching these ladies come in, and when they leave, there was a transformation. So yeah. that helps me have some fodder because the rest of the time I could say, okay, body by Bianco, we're all transforming today. You know, here's yeah. our yoga pose when we stand. Oh, so it gave funny. me fodder to work with the crowd. Oh, that's cool. So we that's just have nice. a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. So did you do that for the previous sheriff or is it something specific about this sheriff that makes him special? This one, I think these are so much better and I'm not knocking anything that we did before because we had a great time before too. Okay. But the stuff we did before was NRA focused. This is a non-denominational group where a rainbow herd is what we would call it from like Colorado or Montana where the cows are all different colors. Oh. The instructors are from all different backgrounds. Okay. It's not, it's not agendized. There's no specific wow. gun group focused. We're okay. all involved in different gun groups and wow. our focus is only promoting the second amendment and only getting these shooters trained and safely out there. That's it. I mean, we don't talk and promote specific groups. It's just, this is what we're here for. I do yeah. usually say a, a prayer at the beginning for safety, hmm. talk about our constitutional right, and we go out and have a good time. And it, I just think it's great. I think it's great. It's much more freeing than our last events as well. There's uh, more of a relaxed atmosphere. Sounds like it's more healthy. It's way healthier. It's way yeah. healthier. Yeah. Everyone leaves having a good time. Now, are the instructors, they're all female? Each, Many each. of them are, there but are males not all of there them. too. Okay. There are males. Now, when it comes to training women specifically, do you feel like uh, women tend to want to be trained and mentored by a, another woman? I, or is that yes. <laughs> partially yes? But I think the main goal is not to be trained by their spouse or their boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, I wonder why that would be. Hmm. I think it's I think there's several reasons. Yeah. If, if you think back to, maybe you can relate to this. If you think back to when you first learned how to do, a, how to shoot a firearm, somebody probably just handed you a firearm and said, you point it in this direction and you press the trigger. And this is, you learn how it worked. When, when it's been a while and somebody new comes in, and I think it happens more with men, is they don't remember having to have learned that. They just expect that person to know this because it's so common to them. And women get intimidated right away. So they're already nervous. Yeah. They're afraid of the firearm anyway. So there's two things. Sure. And then there's this, there's this underlying pressure that women don't talk about that they want to be the best for their boyfriend or their husband at whatever it is. They don't want to be anyone to be better than them because uh, you want to be held to that standard in your spouse's or partner's eyes. Right. Okay. So that they have all these nerves and then they mess up. And a lot of times these ladies have had a bad experience where they're yelled at or they're given a gun that's too big for them. That's not handed a 45 when they have never held one, something like that. Mm. So they just don't want to have anything to do with it anymore. So they come to these events knowing that there's a woman teaching the class that mm -hmm. no question will be looked down upon because we can relate to each other. Mm -hmm. And that I don't expect anything from them except to be there and, and be safe and want to learn. 
I don't okay. have an expectation that they're going to know what they're doing. Mm. And they don't feel like they should have to impress me because there's, right. they're all on the same level. I see. But it's really, it's a good class. And I have the women will, will prefer, sometimes they'll prefer the men that are there. Mm. We have, yeah, if a man actually, does all that, I mean, if a man does all that and, and uh, yeah, I've, I've had men, I, I've had a, a specific example of a friend of mine that was, his nerves were just shot. I mean, he had a lot of anxiety and he, during the, the uh, public health panic, when that first started, he wanted mm -hmm. to, to buy, he wanted something for safety. He was originally talking about getting a pellet gun. And I was like, uh, yeah, if I you want to get it. sued yeah, <laughs> and then dead, well, actually either one, but he, he all the advice I was getting from people that love to dispense advice, which in our community is everybody. <laughs> right. right. And I just kind of, the older I get, I just kind of laugh because it's just kind of funny, you know, how people are. Um, but, you know, they were saying, you know, get a, get a 38, get a, you know, get a nine millimeter, you know, nothing less than a nine millimeter, you know, or you're dead, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> I, was, I was just like, you know what? if if he has proper shot placement at 22 he might be able to handle that i don't think he could handle anything higher but 22 is better than a bb gun uh you can be killed by a 22 yeah. <laughs> easily so i wouldn't want to be shot by one so anyway he ended up getting a buck mark uh, um, okay. and i walked him through the whole process and i taught taught him how to clean it and how, taught him how to shoot it and I realized the point of this story is I realized my shortcomings as a mentor and I had to learn, like, I got to slow way down mm -hmm. because though you said it beautifully, you described it beautifully, the nerves, right? You shut down. I mean, if you make a mistake, it's outside of your window of tolerance. You feel maybe shame or you can't process it fast enough where it's jolting. Yeah. I mean, and it's loud in there, it's jolting. Sure. And if you feel judged, that could be overwhelming and you're not going to take that information in. It's not going to be fun. So I had to learn, I had to slow way down with this gentleman and just really be patient. And I ended up having a good time and learning a lot about myself. Like, you know, I probably, somebody was probably very patient with me when I was a little kid and you're mm -hmm. right. How long, I don't even remember what it was. I have, I don't have any memory of someone giving me a gun the first time. I don't, I just mm -hmm. don't, it was so normal for me and everything was so normal, how to clear jams, you know, how to, the, it was so intuitive for me what to do. Um, and it wasn't intuitive for him and I, I became frustrated and I was like, oh man, I'm, I'm just a horrible teacher. <laughs> this is, so I really appreciate your approach. How did you figure out, did you just always have this talent for knowing how to teach firearms? Do you think, or did you have to grow into it? No, I don't think, I mean, I've always liked teaching and I've always liked activism. I didn't think about that part until looking back at it. I was writing letters to the editor when I was a teenager. I didn't think about that until years later. I'm like, where did this come from? Oh, I guess I've always had that passion to do that. I think I just, my, my heart went out to these 
folks that didn't know how to do this and were scared of it because these are potential people that could help us vote the correct way and change things for the better for everyone and, and wind up protecting themselves and their families. And a lot of the times the women are the ones that say no guns in the house or yes guns in the house. And they're also around the children all the time. They can influence the, chil in the children's view on firearms. And you're talking about learning as a teacher. That's, I feel like every time we do an event or every time I'm with a student, I'm learning. I'm learning because I'm learning that individual. I'm learning something new to maybe incorporate or something about myself that I like or I don't like. Or if you're not learning as a teacher, then you're not an effective teacher either. Mm. And that's something we go over with my instructors. We round table after every event, we go and have lunch together. And we do send out, we give out cards to the students, an evaluation card. And I want them to tell us anonymously what they like and don't like and pull out the instructor. Like, you know, tell us the instructor, what you don't like, what you do like, what would you change? But because we all want to learn. If you're, if you think you're an expert, I don't want people to go to a quote unquote expert because none of us are experts. Hmm. As long as we're alive, we have something to learn. And whether I'm learning it from another instructor or someone who's got more experience or I'm learning it from a student, it's the same value to me as a person. Um, and we powwow at the lunch after our events and we criticize each other or we point out what went well, what didn't go well. But there have been times where to, to the sheriff or somebody else who's there, it looks like things went beautifully, but I know behind the scenes we were short this person and I had to pull this person aside because they had an attitude or whatever it is. To me, I thought it was a disaster. Mm. And I'll spend days rewriting things or, or beating wow. myself up about it because it's so important. What we're doing is so important. Wow. Um, but I, I don't think I was ever natural at it. I just had a desire to do it. And I wanted to be good at it because it was so important. Yes. Wow. But anybody can be good at something as long as they have desire and effort. And that's what I told the students. You can all be great at this. You just need desire and effort. That's what sets you apart from professionals. <laughs> that's it. Oh. When, when you were growing up in Montana, do you recall, and if you don't want to share this, just, you know, feel free to just, not, just move on. But, but I'm just curious when you grew up in Montana, when did you decide that you wanted to carry a gun? Was there a specific incident? Was there something that scared you or was it something you didn't even think that much about? And you're just like, yeah, I'm 18. I'm going to carry a gun now, or, or it's 21, whatever it is. I think it was just that I knew that there were bad things out there. And when I was old enough to be able to, to take a firearm as an option, then I thought that was probably my smartest option. You know, there are other things you could use, but a gun is the most effective. And did you get trained up on a pistol or revolver at that time? Or had you already been introduced to a revolver or pistol? I'd already had more experience with handguns because those are target shooting guns. So I didn't have, I didn't have uh, structured lessons. Like most of us didn't have structured lessons. We didn't go to a, a class or anything, but I already knew how to do it. Um, when I went to 
get a concealed carry when I was older. I wanted it. I had kids. I was a single mom for a long time. But you have things where people will break down, especially in rural towns. There's a lot of freeway and a lot of things can happen. You can hit a deer. You can get a flat tire. You, something malfunctions with your vehicle. Weather happens. Yeah. And there you are on the side of the road with a lot of interstate and not a lot of people going by to yeah. see you there. Um, so I think that's no, when no I police. looked at it. No, no police. police. Strangers passing by on the interstate. Um, there's just all kinds of reasons. Um, and then hiking, of course, I didn't need a CCW for that. But anytime you're hiking in the wilderness, there's a chance that you're going to run across a bear or a mountain lion, which we had all over our property. Just ha just having the most effective way to defend myself was just, a, it was reasonable for me to pick a firearm for that. Do you prefer revolver or semi-auto? I have to confess I, I love my revolver the best. <laughs> God Even, bless you. God bless but you. It is not on my concealed carry because if you ever have to use your concealed carry, they will take your firearm at least temporarily. And depending on what county you're in in California, you may or may not get it back. Now in Riverside, you have a way better chance if it's in self-defense. Yeah. Yeah, that there you're 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 edging into the intermediate and advanced material there. <laughs> yes, that's that's interesting. I know it's. But correlated. I love my thirty-eight. Yeah, I have a thirty-eight yeah. Lady Smith. It okay. is a non-rostered gun, mm -hmm. but I bought it in Montana and brought it into California and registered it because I'm a law-abiding citizen, even though I'm against the whole idea. Yeah, but I do love my thirty-eight. It's it's smooth. I know it the best. What color is it? It's got the wooden handle and steel. Okay, it's wooden. Okay. So it's not like pink or something like that. Oh heck no, no, I no, I don't do the. You didn't pink go guys. that far. No. Go no, it doesn't have a hammer, right? It's got an internal hammer. It's not an. It has an ex. Hammer. It oh. actually has an external hammer. Oh, I like this gun even more. I yeah. don't like the. I I feel like with a revolver, if there's no hammer, what's the point? I do have some <laughs> shrouded hammers, which those are those are old school. I don't think I don't know if they make them anymore, but we do have a lot of of ladies. I actually sold a firearm to a lady who couldn't wrap a slide. She was in her eighties. And because of arthritis, the slides options that we have on our roster in California, they're not very female helpful because a lot of the smaller compact firearms aren't on the roster. You can't buy them. Um, so they have limited choices. So you get a, a like a standard size firearm for somebody that's 85 and has arthritis. Racking that slide or putting it in their purse and having it be comfortable for them yeah. isn't isn't a great option a lot of times. So I sold her yeah. a revolver, but you have to think about, okay, so you have a revolver and as a lady, are you putting it in your purse? A lot of times they're putting them in their purse and that exposed hammer yeah. is going to get snagged on a bunch of stuff because who knows what's rolling around in the That's lady's right. purse. That's right. <laughs> so the option to have it internal Mm -hmm. helps them in that situation that's true yeah. yeah that makes sense that makes a lot of sense yeah i don't, don't put want mine you... in my purse so i don't have that problem but a lot of ladies do yeah what do you think about carrying in a purse i mean it it should be in a holster right or are you just talking about just loosely carrying it in a purse you're talking about covering well, the, the trigger right right they're supposed to be 
when you're carrying it in a purse or something of that nature, a fanny pack or a backpack is not supposed to be rolling around in there getting your gum and your, your hair clips messed up in it. But ring. a lot of people, right, a lot of people do throw it in there. But then you're going to get gunk in there. You're going to get garbage stuck in there. It's not going to be as efficient. You may not be reliable when you need it. So they do have special purses that have the pouch just for your firearm, and that's all you put in there. And then they talk about, women have asked questions, so what if I have to get it out of my purse? Well, don't get it out of your purse. If you have to use it in self-defense, you would just press, you'd put your hand in your purse and press the trigger through your purse at that threat. And don't take those extra steps so you can't get out of there, you know. But a lot of folks aren't responsible enough to get a holder that protects it and keeps it just by itself. Mm. It should be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can we go back to the uh, the issue that you raised? It was a little bit of an intermediate advanced issue. I love I love that you brought it up because I've thought about this quite a bit. The roster. Is, well, no, no, just yeah, that. But uh, the that's pretty advanced, I, I would say. But the issue of thinking about if you're going to carry a gun, it shouldn't be your favorite gun, which is kind of odd to think because you want to have the one that you're most familiar with and the, the most comfortable with. You have to trust your life to this thing. Right. But at the same time, the realistic, uh, uh, it's very realistic if you're sentimental like I am. I mean, I'm, I'm attached to these little things. Yeah. Um, I like them. You know, they're, they have personality to the thought of losing it to some bureaucrat idiot that that's like, I want it for evidence. We can have it for evidence. Well, it's clearly self-defense idiot, but you know, just the, some, some bureaucrat would want to keep it forever um, in some evidence locker and you'll never give it back. And that's a nice gun. So how do you, how do you process through that? You want a crappy gun that you don't like, (laughs) but obviously you have to trust it, trust, trust it for self-defense. So how do you, how do you figure that out? Well, that's the bummer is some people, a lot of people can only get one firearm. And if that's the case, if that's the case, you are going to lose that gun temporarily. If you have to use it in self-defense, you're just going to have to accept that. If you can afford more than one firearm, sure, go for two, but make sure that both of them you like and are, can you go shut this door real quick? Somebody, (laughs) okay. Somebody's doing construction really quick. No problem. Um, like for example, my my conceal one of the firearms is a Springfield XD okay. nine millimeter. I like it. I practice with it. It's just not my favorite. So there's a way you can have two nice guns that you like, but your favorite is just not on there. Right. So if you have a favorite, 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 there's always a possibility if you conceal carry that you will have to use it in self defense. That's the right. responsibility you take on. Yeah. If you know that and. Your Springfield XV9 is your favorite gun. You might want to invest in a second favorite yeah. <laughs> and do that instead. Or other people will put a bunch of them. You can put up to six on your CCW in Riverside. So you can put six guns on there and maybe not carry your favorite around all the time. Who knows? Right. Yeah. Switch them out. Uh, but they don't keep them forever. The cops that don't, the, the sheriffs that don't give them back, they destroy them. 
Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Policeauctions.com. No, I don't know really what right. happens with them, but they say they destroy them. That makes almost no sense to me. To me, it's like if a if a a police officer seizes your your car, for example, or something like you, you it's impounded, right? And then they say we're going to destroy your car, and it's like that's not what they do. They auction it, and it goes back right. into the private hands, which right, so stupid. Anyway, so do you have any uh, thoughts on caliber? Uh, do you have a philosophy? Are you are you set on you know? never shoot never use anything lower than xyz for self-defense so in ccw the law yeah. is it has to be 380 or above that is, is that the a law state for, law yes for concealed carry okay the reasoning is you want to shoot as many round the least amount of rounds to take down the threat okay the theory is with the 22 we still consider it lethal it's, it's a firearm, still consider it lethal, but the rounds are so much smaller. You may have to put more rounds than necessary down range. Whereas a nine, you may, can, may handle it with one, 22 may be several, and the several rounds equals time equals potential harm to yourself. So the higher caliber, they say 380 or above, less rounds, take down the threat. So for people that don't know what a 380 is, it sounds like a pretty big... Okay, so if you're people uh, don't know anything about like nine millimeter, okay, you're comparing that to a 380. It sounds like 380 is bigger because it's, if you yeah. had a nine year old and a 380 year old. <laughs> well, when we talk about these, you have to put that there's a decimal in front of all of it nine, yeah. a 40, there's a decimal in front of all these, a 0.380. Mm -hmm. And, and well, because the military started measuring ammunition, that's how we got all of our measurements. Some of them don't make a lot of sense, but in general, yeah. that measurement is just the bore of the firearm. The size of that hole in the barrel of the gun is the size of the measurement of your of your ammunition. Yeah. That's where they get that. So 380 is just above a 32. That would be another common firearm. Below that would be a 25. Uh, and then that's for center fire ammunition. That's the lowest you can go before you're into 22s, which are rim fire. And and then right above a 380 is what a nine millimeter. About yeah. So do you recommend? Do you have a specific? Do you recommend that area for women? Or are there ever well, women no. that you know that want a 44? <laughs> there, you'd be surprised. <laughs> You'd be surprised my well you're from montana and you have bears so i that would not surprise me at all i have to say my my ex-husband's first wife i'm very good friends with her and her husband they're two of my instructors she is a tiny little thing and mm -hmm. she loves her 40s and her 45s <laughs> i personally don't and i'm five to eight i personally don't want to carry one or practice with one i don't consider them a fun tool no. but you'd be surprised what people are comfortable with yeah. I tell women not to go by my opinion or anyone else's to go to the gun range, go out with a bunch of people that have firearms, whoever it is, and try everything you can get your hands on yeah. before you make a decision. That's really good advice. That's really good advice. Everybody listen to that. That's really think, good advice. Think later. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Get as much exposure as possible because you might be surprised. For, and it might not be something you can explain to somebody else. Right. 
you don't need to necessarily explain everything to everybody else. You know, right. if a 45, it might be that the 45, you just like the way it looks and you can handle it fine. And you like the fact that it kicks so much. It makes you feel safe because you know that there's a lot of power there. Okay. Right. All right. Well, if yeah, they, some people feel more comfortable. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's it. There's always everybody's got opinions on this and you're going to develop your own opinion. And you're going to be as annoying as everybody else who has an opinion on all this stuff. <laughs> right. Well, How do you handle all these opinionated people in the Second Amendment community? Because, I mean, I don't know that the First Amendment community is even as opinionated, ironically, because that's free speech. <laughs> I would agree with you. I, there are a lot of, I would say, alphas in the Second yes. Amendment. Handling firearms. You can't be yeah. a wallflower that's, that keeps their head down and people that go and want to handle firearms, these are assertive people. These are people taking control of, of their life and their protection. So we don't get a lot of folks that just sit back on the sidelines and say, let it happen to me. Yeah. Do you <laughs> feel like we do a pretty good job as a community of, of policing buttheads and, and stuff like that, you know, just kind of reeling in people that are just buttheads? I think, I think so. But any group has fanatics. Yeah. They're, but they're the extremes of every group and you're going to have them no matter what it is. If it's a football team or it's firearms or it's politics, they're all going to have fanatical sides of it. We have people that paint their face in our firearm stuff too, <laughs> just like oh, their wow. Raiders fans. Oh, <laughs> they're, yeah. just, they're extremists. But I think peer pressure from us, because we, I think we all have a more traditional view of, of right and wrong. Mm -hmm. There's more peer pressure there to correct the people that are going the wrong yeah. way. Peer pressure is very powerful. And that's really yeah. kind of the political uh, angle here is if you develop a healthy enough group, which in the second amendment community is always a challenge, but if you develop a psychologically healthy enough group where people are not rude and, you know, they're, they're leveled up on training and they're, they're not always, you know, being taken down the rabbit hole on opinions and stuff. If you d develop a cohesive group that could be unified enough where they can put peer pressure on the local politicians and educate them and make it and also, you know, make uh, allow people to see how cool it is. I think that the cool factor is also kind of part of the politics of it, wouldn't you say? The cool yeah, factor it has to be well, it has to be cool and fun. I mean, that's yeah. like why PTAs have died out because it's boring and not fun. <laughs> PCA? You find PT, like PTA, PTA groups. The oh, parent PTA. Teacher These other groups that have died out over the years because they used to be cool, right? Oh. What was it? Uh, <laughs> that old song about the PTA? That sounded like a cool group, right? <laughs> but wow. now, like our, our groups, we have boring groups. Those groups die out. Yeah. So you have to find you have to find out what the people are interested in. I'm not going to assign somebody who's horrified of public speaking to be a public speaker at one of our events. If they want to sign people in and that's their bag, hey, there's something for everybody. Yeah. And I and I tell them find what you're good at and go with that. What we're what we're bad at is is playing offense. We're our our groups are always playing defense and we need to get one step ahead of the game on all this and make it fun. Reach out to people, be involved locally. Um, don't lose focus of the goal. The goal is not a lot of the things we do. We don't make money on these things. 
the goal isn't that's a to big make misconception money. that's a very big mis because they're always talking about the gun lobby and yeah. you know the gun lobby is you know like like people are just just making billions on selling glocks or whatever it's like now the margins on this are very razor thin and Only glock is making money on glocks <laughs> well but there's so much competition with guns right. i mean you know the, the these gun stores are not they're barely making it a lot of these mom right. and pop stores so um that's a misconception that's good and just helping people understand that do you think that women should be trained uh in shotguns and and rifles i i think people in general should be trained on all three and this is the reason why i give people even teachers when i said and i still do that if you're a teacher and you want firearms training i will train you for free i know that you can't carry firearms on the campuses i get it and i've had people kind of come down on me for that on facebook oh we well, that's, I've had a couple of liberal friends and uh, say, oh, that makes no sense because they can't even carry guns on campus. You're right, they cannot. But A, we're educating them more. And there are opportunities where if you're in a situation where there's an active gunman, that person takes time to reload or you can get an yep. upper hand. Yep. You can take that firearm from that person. Can you use it? Whether it's an AR, scary AR, or whatever long gun they're using or a handgun, can you take it and know how to operate that to defend other people and yourself? When you're in a church situation, we've had active shooters in church or even parking lot, Kmart, whatever it is, can you pick up a firearm that someone else may conceal carry and maybe they got taken out by the bad guy? Yeah. Can you pick up their gun and use it in self-defense? Whatever it is, right. knowledge is power. It doesn't hurt you to know how to use these firearms. It actually helps you. Yeah. It's like knowing how to drive a stick shift. <laughs> if, you know, <laughs> the lost art. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's apocalypse now. Actually, that's the wrong movie I was going for because I had uh, Mel Gibson in mind and I'm forgetting. Oh, Mad Max. I was thinking Mad Max, not apocalypse <laughs> now. That's a Vietnam. That's a crappy Vietnam movie. But uh, yeah, if it's, you know, if it's a real bad situation and, and there's a vehicle that's available and you don't know how to drive it, the same <laughs> right. thing. So uh, that's, what do you think of ARs? Oh, I think they're just like any other rifle. And if you can use an AR in whatever you're doing, why have the government tell you, you can't use this one because I'm scared of it. I'm Gavin Newsom and I'm scared of this gun. So you shouldn't get to use this firearm. Yeah. It makes no sense. They're not any more or less dangerous than any other rifle or handgun. Mm. And anybody can be as efficient. It's like our magazine ban in California. You can only have 10 rounds because 11 rounds makes you a mass shooter. Yeah. You know, anything can be used as a, as an assault weapon. Um, right improvised right. i throw a rock at you i'm assaulting you that's an assault weapon at that point <laughs> yeah the whole thing is just media nonsense they're the loudest and therefore they're the rightest according to, to the people that vote for these yahoos in office it's just not true it's just not true they're not educated and they're not exposed to the correct the facts like, yeah i'm gonna go by what the media says and actually instead of actually going to a firearms class or learning about a firearm i'm gonna believe that the scary gun that CNN tells me is a mass murdering machine is a bad thing instead of finding out for myself. But That's again, a, we're always playing defense. Yeah. 
Desiree, you, you come off as I'm listening to you. You're so well-spoken. You're so confident. Um, you're so calm and uh, were you always this way or did you, did this come from, from, is this like, is this genetic or do you take medication for this? Is there a medication people can get to be like, like, like you? Medication? Um, no, my, I mean, you obviously can think critically. You can think for yourself. You, you can see through the media lies and distortions. So how did you get to be that way? Were you always that way or? I think it was raised by smart people. Um, and we weren't as, I didn't, I didn't raise my children with TV. I just recently bought a TV. <laughs> so I reduced my exposure to Thumbs media. Uh, right. So I do, but if I see something, I'll research it or I'll find out myself. <laughs> I appreciate the comments, but I, was never good at speaking. I was so shy as a kid and I was raised Catholic that I would, I would lip sync to the church hymns in church. Cause I was that shy. Mm. <laughs> I would just mouth the words. I was the Millie Vanilli of the Catholic church when I was a kid. <laughs> wow. but I would, and I was very shy. It wasn't until I was, I was on the, the firing line radio show with Philip Naiman the first time I didn't expect to be on the show. Um, my ex was on the show and I was just holding the coffee in the background. And Philip Naiman said, and after the commercial, she is going to speak on this program about this event. I had never been to that event. I had no idea what I was going to talk about. Oh. And so I had about two minutes to make something up. Wow. I got on there and I just bs my way through it and I, I didn't know most of it I just said well this is what I'm told I don't know about this I don't know and when I got done the the criticism I got from the ex was you said um 21 times oh my gosh <laughs> and that's all I could think about going forward and I was scared to death but at that moment I thought you know what if I could get rid of some of these weird things because I care about what I'm saying but I need to know what I'm talking about so I need to go get educated and I also need to just relax. And if I don't know something, say I don't know, and then watch my ums, of course. Yeah. But at that point, it just, the failure made me want to do better. Mm. And that's kind of how I look at every failure since then is I want to do better. How can I do better at this? Because me failing doesn't help the other person. I'm only hindering a woman who wants to know about guns if I can't help her. Mm. That may be the only time she's brave enough to ask. And then I failed yeah. her if I don't know, or I can't give her the help wow. or I can't direct her to someone that can help her. So I, and every person we reach out to has a, a sphere of influence and mm -hmm. they're going to tell that person and that person and that person. And that's how we're going to change things for the better. Um, yeah. So I think it was just, it was just me saying, I'm one of you. You're one of me. There's nothing to be worried about. I'm going to get education so I can help you. That's just what it was. I, I gave a crap. <laughs> I gave a crap about trying to be better. I gave a crap about other people I ran into. You have a commitment no to excellence. What's that? <laughs> no drugs or anything. No drugs. Okay. No drugs. No drugs. Nothing so, like that. So in other words, you have a commitment to excellence and failure is not the end of the, the, the line there. So it's like each time there's a little bit of failure that's just an opportunity to learn from that and move on to be connect, committed, committed to excellence. Right. 
Right. I think that's how we all need to be. Because um, none of us, we can do things a thousand times, but we always have something we can be better at. And yeah, yeah. I just want to, I just want to do more because I think that's how we pass it on. The next generation has to do the same thing we're doing now. How much ammo should people have? As much as they can afford. <laughs> as much as they can afford. Wow. Some people are like, well, she sounded normal until then. Yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah. You know, when enough is enough, you don't. Mm-hmm. You don't know. Um, so every time you go to the store, my dad has this rule. Every time you go to the store, get a box of ammo. But they oh, still like sell it at Walmart up in Montana, though. They they do sell it or they don't? Yeah. And they in do. Kentucky. You can still get guns and ammo at Walmarts here. Oh, really? Do they have like normal ammo, like a nine millimeter, or is, just, is it just 12 um, gauge? All Not of like the 12 ammo. gauges. Yeah. They have all, they have of, them, all right? of it. Wow. I'm coming to Kentucky. Yeah. No background check when you buy your ammunition. Yeah. You can wow. get all kinds of guns here that you can't get in California. Wow. How do you, how are you not broke then? I mean, just like, <laughs> I don't have residency you went, in you Kentucky. Went, you went to Walmart and you went, just went through, you needed bread and you needed, you know, you had some hiccup cough medicine and you needed some toilet paper and, oh, there's some ammo. Yeah. Every time. So like, you know, with these Biden gas prices, I don't know how, how do you, that's, that's a, seriously budgeting is a big issue in our community because it is just getting more expensive in California, at least. Is it, is it more expensive there in Kentucky for ammo? It's, it's gotten more expensive here, but it is nothing like California. I mean, you're talking, you're talking a, a smaller economy than California. So gas is cheaper, even though it's more expensive for the locals yeah. than they're used to. Yeah. Um, food is cheaper, but more expensive than it usually is. So everything's gone up around the country, Montana, Kentucky, everything. But we're also not ruled by idiots in most of the country. And I tell people, once they leave California, it's a whole nother country. California is its own country. They think yeah. differently. New York the City too. Yeah, it just doesn't, um, it isn't like the rest of America at all. Right, right, right. Yeah, New York City, DC for a long time was was an odd duck. And then mm-hmm. they had, they had a, shall issue i actually think the shall issue changed in 2017 with that ren decision ren versus dc that i think that actually helped our latest supreme court victory because the people that live in and around dc could all of a sudden get permits and i think that everybody was like actually seems safer now it doesn't seem because the, the, the crazies were saying, if you let people carry guns, there's going to be a huge spike in crime. I, that didn't happen. And so I think yeah. the people working at the Supreme Court saw pretty clearly, actually, there's nothing bad happening here. So it's interesting. Uh, do you uh, how do you stay leveled up on on politics and information? Do you do you have certain sources that you check that are reliable for you? I try to look at both sides and see what both sides are saying and then actually dig for what's really happening. I'll read the bills. I don't mind reading the bills. And I, I think it's, it's important for people when I tell people to vote, like just don't read what you're voting for. Don't vote for the face or the, the name. 
actually read the bills you're voting for. There's a lot of hidden things in, in these bills. You may be voting for, I don't know, marriage of some, marriage type of some sort, but in there, right. something else that affects something else. Yeah. That's how we get silly little things passed because they'll stuff them in there, but read the bills. Even if they're boring, read the bills. Um, I don't know. I, I can't recommend anything else except for to just do the research behind what people are saying with their words. You don't know that. You don't know Sally or Joe Bob on any news network over the next person that you meet. Why would you trust them with your vote? You don't know mm. these guys. They don't have your best interests at heart. They have their best interests at heart. Yeah. So go research who and what you're voting for. What did they vote on? Go to Ballotpedia and look at what your judges and local politicians have actually voted on. And then get rid of them. Yeah. If you're a bad person, get them, get them out of there. So how do you I, I maintain how do you maintain balance? Because this is a lot. You know, you have to get trained and then you have to, you know, get involved with local politics. You know, how do you maintain your your balance in your life? I think you have to you have to have something you enjoy. I'm fortunate enough to enjoy the gun stuff. Okay. Um, yeah. But it, you're you, you're blessed. And you have to say no to some things. I, I don't go to some of the, the more fun things, <laughs> uh, like the gun proms. I don't go to all of them just because, like I didn't go to San Diego this year, which I usually do. And just because I, something has to give. I have, yeah. to, I have to be able to have my mental health and I work a full-time job as a paralegal. So you have to say no to some things. Don't think that you can do it all by yourself because nobody can. Um, and I just enjoy it. I'm lucky enough to enjoy it. What would you say to the women and men out there listening who are, are captivated by what you're saying? They're now convinced they they've thought about it for a while. They want to be trained, but they don't have a gun. They don't know the first steps. What would you say to them? Well, depending on where you are, you can go online and find any local groups. You can go to gun ranges. They'll have a whole slew of business cards of instructors and social groups that do that kind of thing. They'll have political groups that you can Google in your area and they can direct you on local CCW rules. Most of the time, people that are in these political second amendment groups have shooting socials they'll go to or they'll just take you to the range and you can try all of their firearms. They're good coaches at telling you how things work how to safely do those things, you know, finger off the trigger, pointed in a safe direction, never loaded until ready to use. Those are the three things. If they're not teaching you something safe, move on to the next person. Um, if they give you a weird feeling, move on to the next person. But don't box yourself in by anybody. Use your brain, your instincts, and try out different things. Try out different clubs. Try out different gun ranges, gun stores. A gun store is a great resource. Um, try to find someone that looks like they've been shooting a while. You don't want to go to a gun store and then see a, you know, an 18 year old kid that <laughs> may only have experience with an AR or something similar. Go to someone who's been shooting for, you can ask them, Hey, how long have you been shooting? Yeah. They're more than happy to talk to you about their gun experience. Yeah. At gun and then they can direct you to clubs. If they only give you one name, then ask them for more names because they're they're showing a little bias if they're only giving you one resource. Yeah. That might be their favorite guy. Doesn't mean it's your favorite guy. 
So ask for yes. multiple resources. Yeah. And then just try to get your hands on anything you want at that point. Once you're sure this is, I want to get a firearm, go shoot all the firearms that you can get your hands on at, the, at your local gun range. Most of them will rent you firearms. Hmm. And then you can try out what you're going to try out. And then make a decision. Where, why do I want this? And where am I going to carry it on my person? Um, where do I work? Is it feasible to take it to work? Do I have to lock it in my car? What's the safe way to do that? You got to think about all these things. When I get it home, where am I safely going to put this firearm? Who's yeah. going to have access to it? Don't just yeah. walk out of there and, and have no plan once you have it in your hand. Especially if there's kids. Right. How do, you deal with the kids? How do you deal with the kids thing? I, I mean, someone's going to criticize me later because I didn't bring up the kids thing. That, that's the most <laughs> obvious thing, though for parents who have kids of any age um, and especially if you have multiple kids, not just one, one of these little rugrats you got to keep track of. You got lots of them. Maybe you got different ages. Maybe you got some that are teenagers and, and getting into different things. And maybe you have some younger, really young ones that are getting into things. So how do you, is there one answer to that? Or what would you say to people that have kids and that's their main concern? So obviously as a parent, you're going to know your kid better than anyone. And, and believe me, the school shooters families, they knew they were off before they became school shooters. So if there's a mental health issue that needs to be addressed right away, obviously. Um, but if, if you have a kid that's zero to kindergarten, you want to start, I suggest you start them off as don't touch the firearm. If you see one, don't touch, go tell a grown up about it. You don't, don't have them in any way associated with that firearm because they're not mentally ready for anything past that point. Now, once they're past kindergarten and they start getting curious, it's okay to start talking to them about safety of a firearm, what happens with the firearm. And as they get older, we're talking eight, nine, 10 going up. You can, my kids started out with a 22 Marlin bolt action rifle. And we went outside and shot well, they had a Daisy BB gun first, and then they went to the 22 and shot soda cans and stuff like that. Did you so say you went outside and shot? So jealous. Yeah, in Montana. Yeah. <laughs> so well, we just shot off the back porch. You no, know, we just went outside. And then, so I, you know, I showed him the gun and then we went outside. <laughs> Would that be so <laughs> great? That's how they were raised. Um, oh, man, that's awesome. So they weren't afraid. They knew they respected these things and knew what they could do because they would see damage to things like soda cans. Yeah. And they, they oh, knew yeah. by well, seeing that yeah. pretty substantial. And then as they got curious, I did make my kids go through all the basic firearms classes, the long guns, the handguns. Wow. <laughs> I'm sure they dreaded every moment of going to every class I ever taught, but they won't forget it. Yeah. That's um, a gift. Think, you gave you have them to a judge gift. your kid. If you have a 10 year old kid that isn't mature enough to go shoot a 22, then by all means, don't take that kid out to do that. <laughs> you have to go by their maturity level. And then always the, always the rule is you never touch a firearm unless that adult is with you. You never touch it. And it shouldn't be accessible to children. Right. Should, they shouldn't be able to just go get it. I mean, get a gun. And there's safe technology or that we have. That's a lot easier to do that than when I was a kid. Yeah. When I mean, you got gun safes with combinations, you got biometric gun safes. There's never a reason a child should be able to access a firearm. That's the irresponsibility yeah. of the gun owner. Do you think we do a pretty good job in the gun culture uh, 
of, of policing that and peer pressure and all that stuff of people that are, um, have kids training people. I think so. Up. Okay. I think so. I think we're really good about it. I've been to tons of gun shows and they always with their family. Um, the different conventions always have family. I mean, they're, they're yeah. proud of, they're proud of the heritage and they're proud of their constitutional rights and they want to pass that on to their family. I think it's healthy that the it whole family is involved in the preservation of it. Yeah. That's what makes me so mad when they try to shut down gun shows in California. And it's like, what are you doing? This is how else are kids going to learn healthy and other, you know, adults too, that that's right. how we police each other as a pure community by getting, being, being able to get together and, and in a safe, structured, orderly environment, um, showcase knowledge and history and tradition. That's where right. you learn what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. And I never see kids misbehaving at gun shows. But if the gun shows aren't there, how are you? I mean, we're where where are you going to do this? The church parking lot? I mean, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. They they have been shutting down shows in San Diego, and yeah. I think Orange County still has one, but they're getting few and far between. Yeah, there was a there's a statute now that says the Cal Palace and in, in San Francisco can't have them. Yeah. It's like uh, I'm just these so I'm so sick of it. So Desiree, uh, is there anything else that I missed that you wanted to add? Uh, how can people so. get a, how can people get a hold of you if they're interested in, or maybe you don't want the emails, but or whatever. But how do they oh. get a hold of you? No, they can they can go to Vanguard Training and Consulting at Gmail, and then my phone number is everywhere, so you can have that. <laughs> okay, want to say what it is? It's four zero six. Six nine eight two nine six four. And you don't you don't mind uh four oh six six nine eight two nine six four. You don't mind if some random person from Ireland calls you? <laughs> because we oh, have people we have people listening in Ireland and Africa. So you might get some African people. That's fine. That number is out there and has been on the internet forever. So okay. And so say say the Gmail again, it's Vanguard Training. Vanguard training and consulting. And the and is the and is spelled out. A N D. Yep. Okay. And do you have a website you want to? I do. It's femalefirearmsinstructor.com. Whoa, you got that? I do have it. Oh, oh my gosh, that's why I couldn't get it. Femalefirearmsinstructor.com. Instructor.com. Just kidding for everybody. Didn't know that was a joke. I didn't actually try to register that domain. <laughs> That's a great domain. Yeah. Wow. You got that. Femalefirearmsinstructor.com. Dang. Wow. Congratulations for that a reason alone. People should. Well, I had a good web guy. <laughs> yeah. How long have you had that domain? Um, just this year, we've been working on the website. Okay. So just this year. Yeah. Fantastic. What other classes do you teach? We do private lessons. We also do a situational awareness class that's pretty in-depth. Oh. That's actually not taught. Well, I do teach that one, but um, our main instructor is Rod Wilski. Okay. He's my my partner's brother. And he does he does a really in-depth class. It's really, really powerful. So before you do a CCW, 
it's a great precursor to a CCW. Situation. The goal right. isn't to have to, yeah, the goal isn't to have to use your firearm. Yeah, the goal right. is to not have to use it. Yeah. There's lots it's of different great. situations that can come up. Like you, yeah. you were alluding to that when you mentioned, uh, when we talked about the AR thing and you said, well, yeah, well, what if you can take the AR from the guy? And actually it's, it, it's easier than you might think. Cause all you have to do is grab the barrel It's hot. I mean, it would be hot, uh, unfortunately with, if he was murdering people with it, but, but it's a lot easier to grab. I think it's a lot easier to take a, a rifle away from somebody than it is for a, a pistol or something. But yeah, then right. if, if, if there's multiple, um, assailants, if you knew how to clear jams and, and, safely handle that firearm for self-defense to, to save innocent life. You know, that's, that's, that's situational stuff, right? Do you teach that stuff? We have, so my, the president of my company, um, Larry, Larry Welski, who's retired 30 year Navy SEAL. He's a command master chief. You might like talking to him too. (laughs) I absolutely would love talking to him. Do you think he would want to come on? I was oh, in yeah, the Navy. Sure. I was in the Navy, so I'm a big fan of Navy guys. So I think he, he was ran a master chief. He was a command master chief, Navy SEAL. Wow. And he, I think he That's ran for deal. Senate in San Diego County a couple of years ago. I think. What's his name? Larry Wilski, W I L S K E. Right, run for Congress or Senate, something like that. Then I'll I'll give you his number afterward. Okay. Um, he teaches more of the combat type defense stuff. Yeah. Of the more hands-on grabbing things and I'm sure, yeah. The move and shoot stuff. <laughs> yeah. The stuff that I consider a lot more fun, but you have yeah. to be more advanced in skill level. Well, the the whole idea of getting into the mindset of in most situations, you're not going to use your firearm. Um right. it's thank God you have it. I mean, it's all about options is my point. It's, it's about maximizing your ability to use the options that are available and being able to see them for what they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's training out there for that. Yeah. That's awesome. Desiree, you're a wealth of knowledge and inspiration. We thank you so much for coming on and spending your valuable time with us. I had a blast. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> I had a blast too. <laughs> okay. Oh, pun intended, right? <laughs> yeah. Don't want to trigger anybody. <laughs> <laughs> okay. See you, Desiree. Thanks for coming Have on. Have a great weekend. All you right. too. Bye-bye.